following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Back for episode five of Corona Mania here on uh, Intentional Foul. I'm Dan. Joined on the phone here is uh, my partner, Josh. Yeah, we're going to try something different as far as technology goes after uh, my buddy Scott Huber uh, let me know that it was really, really hard to make out what I was saying via cell phone technology with you being in your basement connected to the thing via Bluetooth and calling me here as I sit in our master bedroom at the Goldberg residence. So now we're, we're, I did a little research. I, I hit up um, somebody who uses the Roadcaster Pro um, that you have, and they made some suggestions. So we'll see how this works and we'll get feedback on whether the audio is a little better or will we need to try another uh, route. Yeah, it definitely already sounds better on my end, that's for sure. And we appreciate um, anybody reaching out and, and telling us some, some ideas to help make the make the show or the or the sound or whatever a little bit better. That's that's much appreciated. Yeah, because we're kind of relegated since we can't do it in the same studio. This is what we got, yeah. and we just need to tweak it if we have to. Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, like I said, we're in uh, episode five, week five of this debacle here. Um, yeah. I mean, what? A, any any new developments on the home front? I mean, are you doing anything different than <laughs> the last four times I've asked you that question? Well, I I think I mentioned at the tail end that I was going to try to see if I could open up like my own Twitch channel and like broadcast some old school video games and stuff that I've downloaded, and I found out that I completely don't have the hardware necessary to make that happen. My laptop's about probably four or five years old and it just got really dragged down. I did record a video of a little bit of, I think, um, something on GoldenEye for, for Nintendo 64, but the volume was all messed up <laughs> and I like I was getting buried by the, the, uh, the audio on the game and so I just abandoned that very quickly, but yeah. I'm sure I've do you got to have like a headset to do all that stuff? And no, because like I have a webcam, and you can use your your just normal computer microphone that's available. I think the headset makes that a little bit easier. But like as far as like mixing and balancing you compared to the video game, I don't know the the, the technics of that, and I wasn't going to reach out to my fellow game nerds because. I, my computer just got dragged down so slow when I would try to like record a video. The game would just crawl at a very slow pace, and it it I just found out that it, that that wouldn't work. So unless I get a a pretty swinging laptop that's uh, got some pretty good uh, pieces in it, uh, it's just not going to happen. So, well, might need to upgrade, right? I mean, you were you were. I, telling me before you're trying to find a little bit of a way here to make some make some scratch on the side yeah so um 
my wife, Jane, told me a couple of weeks ago that she found an app or a company that pays you for um, your old CDs and DVDs. And it's not like something like you just go down to the exclusive company, which I'm sure I could do with my leftover ones. But you download this app. It's called Declutter. And it's not the whole word. There's a couple of abbreviations. And they give you a scanner on your phone and you take and you scan the barcode on each DVD case and it'll either tell you whether they won't accept that title or whether they will and then they will tell you how much that it's worth. And then it adds to your cart at the end. You see the total of how much you'll, they'll, they'll pay for your movies. They'll send you a shipping label. So they pay for the shipping and then they'll pay you for the DVDs when you get them. And I didn't really keep track, but I would imagine I probably scanned over 200 something. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. And they took 59 of them for a whopping $11 and change. <laughs> so, so how do so, you, how do you actually get the money? Do you get, do you have to like, a, um, do you have like a PayPal account that they put it in or something or? Right. I don't know if you like do direct deposit or a Venmo or whatever. I just know all my movies. I had to separate them because they have it saved in your cart. And I didn't go that far. I think I was, I was too depressed after that whole total. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to take a break from this. But it saves everything in your cart. Uh, but it says that when they get your shipment, that's when they pay you. And it sounds like it's going to be direct deposited or PayPal, like you said, PayPal or Venmo or something like that. So, because it says they pay you immediately, so so um, if if I'll you probably, if you download the app, it, like if I downloaded it and can I just scan them without like signing up for anything and see what they're worth, or do I? How does that work? Right. It. I mean, it does. You're not on the hook for anything. It'll just send you everything to your cart, and your cart will build to see how much money total you have. And you then, then and then you something. and then you decide whether you want to do it. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, that's right. So, like the the least, I I don't remember the title. I should look in my cart, uh, honestly. But I do know that the least amount of money they would pay for one of my DVDs was three cents. Three and cents. <laughs> you might as well use the you and, might as well use the DVD as a frisbee at that point. <laughs> Take it out, like right, like I remember all those AOL. CDs that you that you used to get in the mail, and I could take them outside at my parents' ranch with my BB gun that I got for Christmas, and just put them on a fence post and just shoot them. Yeah, um, that's probably that would probably be more worthwhile. But I think uh, my top selling DVD was I think a little over a dollar. So without that one, that really starts to take that average down a little bit. So, like when you say they they decide whether or not they will take them or not. Does it tell you why they wouldn't take a movie? No, it just says right at the top, we're not accepting that title right now. Maybe they got a shitload like of them or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or it's too common or they're, they're I mean, they'll pay a, a cent for it. I mean, I remember when I took in some of my old video games to the, uh, to the exclusive company and it was an old Madden version that was six or seven years old. Well, nobody wants that. Right. So I think at the at the time they said they'd give me a dime for it. Right. I, well, what am I going to say? I'm that you know, like <laughs> there's no other use for it. I might as well get something. But it's like you can't even give me a dollar, really. Right. I know. 
Right. But and, and I just I thought about this business model and I'm like, okay, well you're paying shipping for this. I mean, 59 DVDs with the cases. That's going to be a pretty big box. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of shipping to pay. And they're going to pay you for the movies on top of it, which is probably why they're not paying you very much per movie. Right. It's just you're just doing exactly what it says. You're decluttering and getting rid of your old crap. Right. Which, I mean, honestly, if I haven't watched any of my DVDs during this whole pandemic for the last month, I'm never going to watch them. Right. Exactly. They're they're not Blu-ray. They're not high def. So it's like when I can go on Netflix or Hulu or Prime, or any of the, these other places and get something that is high def, why do I need these? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might have to check so. that out. I, I I bet they probably would not want my Dude, Where's My Car DVD. They probably got a shitload of those. <laughs> the fact, the fact that right. I even spent money on that is just, I mean, that, the things you do in college, it's unbelievable. I understand. I mean, I, I remember the days when DVDs and movie collections were something that, you know, you were you took a lot of great pride in, and uh, I can remember a couple of years in a row that you know Michael and I went to Best Buy in the afternoon on Black Friday when all the crowds had pulled out, and they were selling DVDs, you know, like five for ten bucks, right, or something like that. We we'd walk out with just a stack full. I mean, I, I don't know whether they're doing that with Blu-rays, but everything's all digital now anyway, yeah. so it's not. You don't need a hard copy of anything anymore. Well, it's like a lot of parents. My dad's got some still. It's like an old record collection. It's like, you know, a lot of people for years and years have had those things in their basement, but it's like, okay, well, do I really want to listen to a record or do I just want to have it on my phone and put my ear pods in or whatever, you know? People say they like that vinyl sound. I know, but, but yeah, but most but people are just like, no, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I want to be listening to my music on the go. I don't want to have to sit in my, in my den right. and you know and listen to it. Well, movies are a little bit different. Who's gonna sit around and say, hey, you want to go watch something in standard depth? Right. No, I, I really don't. That will make my eyes bleed. I don't, I don't want to do that. So. <laughs> I'm. I got to figure out when I can send those off and get it to the post office before they uh, declare bankruptcy as well. And we got to start sending stuff by Pony Express. Right. Well, don't don't it, when you do that and you get your money, don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> hey, the good part is I could probably use that for a tank of gas at this point. There you go. That's pretty nice. I think I filled my my uh, car up the other day for like twenty one dollars. That was awesome. Yep. That's- that's, that's one of the good I, things. Somebody, when I, I saw my parents bought it, I was like, God, I felt like I was in back in high school in the 90s when it was like, you know, a dollar for a gallon. I know that that somebody I saw, um, I, and I don't know where on Twitter or Facebook, but somebody that I knew filled their car up for, for less than a buck a gallon. And I, I didn't know where it was, but I was like, wow. I mean, a dollar 12 or a dollar 14 around here, I'm not complaining about that. No, not at all. Not at all. No. All right, well, let's move on to uh, something a little bit sure. more, well, supposed to be more fun. I was hoping it was going to be more fun. Um, the bracket that I created for the uh, <laughs> Final Four, 25-year Final Four bracket. Um, you put in a lot of work on this. I, I put in a decent amount of work on it. Um, you know, sent it out to, I don't know, probably about 30 or so people. Was hoping to maybe get, 10 or 15 responses. Um, I got two well, you, brackets back. 
you got good feedback on Facebook too. Everybody said that was a great idea. Yeah. And this yeah. was really cool and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, thanks. Fill one out and send it back to me. And, and you got two of them. I got two of them. Um, I got uh, three other people that basically told me their final four or their champion. Um, okay. You know, that's I, eh, it's something, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I was a little disappointed. Um, I, you know, I even had like three people individually reach out to me and wanted me to send them the PDF through an email and they didn't even send it back. So I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't really know what to say. I'm, I'm disappointed, but you know, my, my, I was telling my dad about, it, he's like, well, are you, you shouldn't get mad about it. I'm like, well, I'm not mad. That doesn't change anything, but it's, you know, it's a little disappointing. It's lesson learned. I guess that's probably why on some of these other radio shows, like the Twitter questions are so stupid and basic and blah, because, right. you know, nobody's going to put forth any time. I know people are, nope. I know people right now are super busy watching, like, you know, their third time yeah. through the office or, you know, <laughs> their 32nd run of Frozen 2 or their 75th <laughs> run of Groundhog Day. I get it. I know. But I was just hoping maybe an hour, I could get an hour out of some people. But but you know, whatever. Beggars can't be choosers, well, I guess. We have learned that in uh, the radio industry very early on that unless you have some big lucrative prize or some really big incentive for somebody to do something, you basically have to hit them over the head with a hammer to get them to put any effort in. So that that whole thing that you described to me is not surprising whatsoever. People think it's great, and then they forget about it because you ask them to do something, uh, I'd rather not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, the, the the prize at the end was fun. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you can't put a dollar yeah. amount on fun. Sorry. <laughs> so, okay, uh, so who's... Well, do, yeah. Do you have any that you want to go through? Well, I'll go through a couple. Um, you know, I'll just kind of. I'm not going to go through the whole bracket because no, right. nobody else no, went. Through, nobody else went through the whole bracket. So why would I go through the whole bracket? <laughs> okay. Um, our, our good buddy Joe Robinson sent his in. Obviously, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, much appreciated. Uh, I was co- I was counting on it. I know he's a, he's a reliable guy. Um, he ended up with a final four, which you know. I love him, but it was I was it was very predictable. I knew he was going to have the Badgers in the Final Four, and he did. Had him, uh, had him, had the UW fifteen team playing the Kentucky fifteen team in a rematch. You can imagine who he had winning that game, Mister uh-huh. Mister Bucky Badger. And then on the other yeah. side, he had uh, the twenty fifteen Duke team and the 07 Ohio State team with Greg Oden and Mike Conley. And he okay. had he had Duke winning that game, and so we had a rematch of the 2015 final, and he did have Duke winning. So, so everything that happened in 2015, save for one team, happened again. Pretty much, yes, yep. Which was okay. a little surprising that he that he went that route, but I, you know, I think he was trying to trying to be creative with it, and I appreciate that. I mean, the co- the cool thing about this, you know, I was talking to my buddy uh, Eric Warner about it. He's one of the ones that sent something in as well. I'll get to his in a minute. But like he said, he's like, you know, it's fun. There's no wrong answer. Like you right. you can you can that's argue right. it, but that's it. it. There's no wrong answer here. So so that was Joe's. Um I got another one from Ian Bame who uh okay. his his bracket's pretty funny. Um when he sent it to me it ju- he just simply attached fuck Duke. 
<laughs> and as I went as I went through and looked at this, he had every Duke team lose in the first round. <laughs> so we we know where his heart lies. But uh, Ian had uh, 08 Kansas, 2012 Kentucky, 2000 Michigan State, and 2004 UConn. That was his final four. He had uh, 2012 okay. Kentucky, which is the Anthony Davis team, uh, beating the Mateen Cleves-led Michigan State team from 2000 in the championship. Okay. Um, let me get my... Mr. Schmolt, Eric Schmolt from the Gazette sent me back uh, his today. I don't, I don't know how to look at his on Facebook Messenger without screwing this whole phone thing up, but... Um, no, that's fine. He uh he had the Badgers in the final four as well. Um I, I I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember who he had winning it at this point. That's how frustrated I was with it this afternoon. <laughs> but uh he did send one back. I'm sorry, Eric. If I can figure this thing out, I'll I'll certainly uh put yours on there as well. Um Warner had uh let's see, his final four was two thousand one Duke. Uh, 2005 UCLA, 2007 Florida, which is the the Noah Horford back to back yep. team, and uh, 2009 North Carolina was just the Tyler Hansbro team. He had North Carolina Duke in the final with 2001 Duke winning it all. Okay, which was uh pretty pretty bold for him. He's a huge North Carolina fan. I was a little surprised he went that route. Um, I also got uh, something from Ty Szynski here just before we went on the air. He said he had Kentucky 12 winning his title as well, which is really surprising to me that I, of the ones that we got back, I had two people picking that team to win. Um, I don't know if it's a little... I, I mean, I, I guess you can't call it too much recency bias. It was eight years ago, but that was one of the weakest college basketball seasons in a really long time. Like if you, if you look at the NBA draft from that year, there's Anthony Davis and then not a lot else. Um, okay. So I was a little surprised at that one. Um, and then mine, last but not least, my final four, I hated to do it, but I had two Duke teams in the final four that ended up playing each other. I had 2001 Duke <laughs> against 1999 Duke with – 01 Duke winning. And then I had 07 Florida against Kentucky 99 uh, 96, excuse me. I had Kentucky winning and I had Duke beating Kentucky in the final the 2001 team with Battier and Jay Williams and Dunleavy and Boozer. Uh, that was probably you know that's a hard one to argue with uh in terms of a champion of this bracket. That's one of the best teams we've had in the last 20 plus years. So um I had UMass in the Elite Eight. I had them beating the Badgers in the first round, beating number one seed UCLA 95 in the second round, and beating the Carmelo-Syracuse team in the Sweet 16. Um, I got a little grief from that for the people that I shared this with beforehand, but that was a long time ago. People forget that was probably the best year. That was one of the best years in college basketball of all time. Um, I, I, that's when I really started to get into it, and I I remember UMass way back in the day. Yeah, that was a good team. I, I looked it up today when I was taking some grief. They they started off twenty six and zero. Um, they only lost two games on the year, one of them being in the final four to the eventual champ Kentucky. They beat ten top twenty teams during the regular season and were number one for like eleven of the eighteen weeks. 
Um, I mean, in any other year of that decade, they probably win the title. It just so happens that Kentucky that year is one of the best teams <laughs> of all time. Um, but that was kind of fun to go back and look. That 96 season had Iverson, uh, Ray Allen, Marcus Camby, Stefan Marbury, Steve Nash, Kerry Kittles. Um, all those guys came out into that that draft class along with a high school Kobe Bryant. So a lot of talent that year. That's kind of why I had them uh, – had them where I did, but I appreciate the people that, right. that put the time in and, and, and did this and I hope they enjoyed it and had fun with it. Um, even if you didn't send it in, I hope you enjoyed it and, and at least filled it out for yourself and maybe argued with some, some of your buddies wherever you're at. Um, uh, but, uh, that'll probably be the last bracket we do here. <laughs> uh, if we were you and I talked about maybe doing some some movie stuff or something like that, but that that's going to be kept between the two of us. I think uh, we're just gonna we'll keep that one a little simpler. Well, I know that this is kind of your your forte because I you know during the season you're constantly looking at standings and 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 predicting the the brackets for the high school boys and girls seedings as far as the sectional that that we've got, you know, covering Craig and Parker in and all that stuff. So I know, I know that that's kind of how your mind works and you just scribble some stuff out and, you know, but you, you dove into some pretty hardcore um, basketball statistics and, and references and all that kind of to, to come up with that. So I, uh, I don't blame you for being a little bit disappointed um, at all and, uh, and shame on those who said they were interested but never did anything and we can – happen at that yeah yeah well you know and i'm i'm a big history guy in general yes, and, and i and i also am a huge history of of the sport kind of guy i like to go back and look and look at teams and players and of all different sports and and you know kind of who was good and why and what could have been and I, I i find that to be a lot of fun so uh, i had fun going through it even though i spent probably 10 times too much time on it for what what we ended up getting out of it, but hey, it was uh, it took up it took up a little of my my quarantine time, so I guess that's a good that's, thing. That's all that matters. All right, um, let's stay with basketball. Let's let's go to the NBA. Let's get to the serious stuff in uh, a little bit because I know I had I had texted you, and I know this was happening over the weekend. Um, I got kind of into and sucked into the. Uh, the NBA 2K tournament uh, a little bit. I watched a couple of different games. Um, I, I didn't recognize a couple of the players, but I saw Trey Young um, competing, and I think he was L.A., the, the, the Lakers at one point. And I, I didn't stay through the whole game. I was kind of curious about the broadcast. Did you catch any of this at all? Yeah, I was. I didn't sit down and, and like watch an entire game or anything, but I, I caught bits and pieces of different games. I know... Uh, I know Durant was playing somebody in the first round, and I know Durant got beat. Um, yep. You know, Pat Patrick Beverly on the Clippers. Uh, I think he got beat in the most recent round, but I guess he was quite the character on there. Um, so yeah, I, I caught a little bit of it. It was kind of a cool thing. Uh, I saw a couple of different guys that were uh, were the Bucks at a couple different points. Uh, okay. but yeah, it was it was you know they're they're trying to to do something for the fans and you know right. most of the most of the NBA fan base in general just it skews younger and uh you know mm -hmm. that kind of stuff this generation of kids they all grow for up sure. playing online you know you and I love video games we never we didn't grow up playing online we just 
bought the game and no. played the game and tried to beat the game. And then you moved on to the next game. Like these kids now, they go in these, you know, That's Call the of Duty do. or whatever. They don't go in for like, right. Yeah. They, they don't go in for the single shoot em up campaigns, uh-uh. go through the whole story of, you know, that, that you got to play the game for two weeks before you, you know, you get through the thing. They just want to go online and play with their friends now. Right. Like when I get Call of Duty or one of those games, like I don't even go to the internet stuff, online stuff. I I just I have no interest. But um, yeah, I right. thought I thought it was a cool thing to do, and uh, you know, they're they're trying. I give them credit for that. One thing, one thing I was surprised at between the players, and I don't know how the setup was, but they both had the headsets. I was surprised, at least in in the games that I saw, that there wasn't more trash talking. Yeah, I know. I I thought that too. Um, one of the Nobody games. Was saying anything. One of the games I was watching. It was Devin Booker against somebody, and like they didn't talk for like three minutes. Right. <laughs> they're just. They're not saying a word. Neither guy's saying a word. They're just like staring at the game, just playing for like three solid minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, like these producers at ESPN have got to be screaming. Like what? <laughs> like what are they doing? Like you got to. And maybe they're—I don't know—maybe they're nervous. Maybe they don't want to do the real trash talk right. that they would do. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because because did you hear what happened with the NASCAR i racing thing yeah. yesterday? Yeah, I heard somebody uttered uttered a no no. I didn't hear what the no no was, but oh, it was it was the no no. Oh, was it? Oh, yikes! Yeah, the one that starts with an N. Yikes! And I'm sure the guy yeah, that uttered not it was good. not uh, was not African American. He was a white person. I don't believe. So no, yeah. but um, yeah, but it, like when even the players w- would say something, it would be like a oh look at that nice pass corner, yeah, you know, right. it would be related to the game. It was not something that was directed at the opponent to like you know get them to snap back at them or anything like that. It was it was just like like seeing something that happened in the game. Oh, didn't know. Uh uh-uh, uh, come on, you know, there it, there was just nothing like that. But again. These guys are basketball players. You'll so, you'll I, I don't know. you'll love this. This is a this is a good story. So, in college, I was living with uh, Chauncey Bame, and uh, I think this was maybe two thousand and three era, two thousand two, two thousand three, and we always played NBA Live on. Uh, I think it was PlayStation yeah. Two at the time. Well, Chauncey had one of those, like, you know, those whiteboards that, you know, people put on, like, their dorm room door or whatever. Well, he had one of those, so we were just playing this game all the time, and, you know, we would drink and and play the game or whatever, and we would always play against each other, and we'd pick random teams and whatnot, or let I'd pick his team, he'd pick my team, and we're like, we play this game so much, why don't we just keep score? Like, let's tally wins. We filled up that board. We filled up that board. It was probably like a eight by 11 size board. We filled that up with, you know, Roman numerals, like as small as you could freaking write, just played (laughs) hundreds of games of that. And all we did was talk shit to each other the whole time, the whole time. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And I definitely won more than Chauncey did. There's not, it's not even close. It's not even close. He might tell you that it is, but it wasn't even close. I would take the 03 Mavs with with Dirk Nash, Michael Finley. It was over. It was over. See, that's why I kind of regret and not to get too nerding out about this stuff with video games, but I mean this is what this is what we have to stay entertained with. Um, I would be to- I said this on Twitter, I'd be totally down for a Madden 
tournament. Yeah, sure. You know, the best video game player on each team go through a playoff style bracket because I, I bet I bet with no OTAs they could get this organized and they could do it just like the NBA thing and they could do it like, you know, two games every weekend, Saturday or Sunday or whatever, and they could be done, you know, in no time. Yeah. And it's just one player per team. Um, and it, I remember back in the day we had, I think, for the college radio station, uh, I think for two years in a row, a Tecmo Super Bowl tournament where we brought in two different Nintendos. And we had one in the office and one in the radio station studio itself. And we would play Tecmo Super Bowl against each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were, we, I think we actually at one point broadcast a play by play of one of the games. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's great. That's, that's college radio. But I always wanted to get into that Tecmo tournament that came to Madison, um, every year. And I never did, but seeing some like semi documentary, things about it in videos i don't think i would have stood a chance no like the people that are in those are just they're junkies they're They're junkies that's all they do did you see any of the horse tournament uh a little bit it was pretty bad um bad bad production bad character i mean you know yeah the the cast of guys wasn't great and, and girls i guess and and uh you know they're shooting outside, all except for Mike right. Conley, who's in like a beautiful homemade gym because he signed a hundred and eighty million dollar contract. You know, like Chris Paul's outside; it's raining at his house. It's sunny at somebody else's house. It's windy at one guy's house. Like, I mean, I get it. Like the elements that when you're outside, like that's part of the fun. But I don't right. know. It just it was kind of kind of ho hum for me. I mean, it's it, it's it's kind of like the the 2k video game tournament it's supposed to be compelling television right and 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 they couldn't get it to be well it's hard because it's like well like zach levine from the bulls was in it well what is zach levine's thing that he could do that could win a horse competition like crazy ass dunks like you're not just gonna he's not just gonna do crazy ass dunks like well that's not very fun and like right. Trey Young, his thing is like he's like a little mini Steph Curry. Like he's just going to stand out there and shoot forty footers. Like he's going to make like one out of ten. Like who wants to watch that? No. Mm-mm. So I, I don't, they got the semifinals and the finals. I think coming up on Thursday or something like that. And I think that'll this will be glad when when the, uh, you know this thing is behind them. But um, I would have you know I would have hey. almost rather seen it be all retired people. Right. Like yeah, let me like absolutely. throw throw Magic Johnson in there, throw Larry Bird in there, throw Dwayne Wade the in there. Like what? Yeah. Throw, throw Jordan in. Like Michael Jordan. Go do this. Your your documentary's coming out this weekend. Go play horse. Perfect. Yep. But he oh, don't absolutely. want he don't want to because he might lose. That's right. Not going <laughs> to do anything if you can't be good at it. Right. That's absolutely. why LeBron was never in the dunk contest. He didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. On to more practical matters. I saw this morning that, uh, the NBA has, they've asked a lot of people for a lot of different ideas, which I think is great because, um, you know, one thing that, that I've learned over time is that the more people you get together and, and the bigger brainstorming session, you're more likely to come up with, with the best idea. And it sounds like they've got a leading candidate. Yeah. Um, Brian Windhorst was reporting on ESPN that it sounds like right now 
Nothing is going to be decided really before May 1. And Adam Silver hasn't really come out and said it, but kind of inferred like Labor Day is the absolute latest that any that this season can end. Because what they don't want to do is this season's already a mess. They don't want to turn next season into a mess if they can help it, you know? So they've mm-hmm. got they've got this window that they gotta work in. And we talked about it, I think, last week a little bit. Like, they're not just going to throw these guys back out and expect them to play games. Like, there has to be some kind of a uh, a ramp-up of activity. And it sounds like uh, a lot of the trainers are getting involved in this, and they're saying a minimum of 25 days, which is like, you know, uh, give them a couple of weeks to get back in shape. Because, like, you know, it, it's like in any sport – you can ride the bike, you can run around the block, you can run on a treadmill. It's not the same as playing in a game. It's not the same as practicing hard in your sport. So they got to give themselves time for that. Um, you know, they want them to get in shape. These guys are concerned about injuries. The trainers are, and I get it. I mean, you got hundreds, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars invested in these guys. Um, you know, you don't want to see LeBron blow his Achilles out three games back because you're trying to jam this into a six-week window or something, you know. So they're they're doing their due diligence, but, eh, you know, eh, you just don't know what the next couple of weeks are going to hold, and it's just impossible to make any firm decisions at this point. I didn't read anything past the time schedule uh, because I saw it was 11 days keeping the social distancing, getting guys ready, and then you get the 14 days, two weeks of of team activities and exercises. But is there any difference of where they're going to play the games? Are they going to still plan on their huge arenas? Are their fans going to be there? Or was I, I didn't read past any of the scheduling. Where Where is that falling into place? I don't think we're going to see fans at an NBA game the rest of this season, whenever it, oh, wow. if and whenever it resumes. I just don't know how you can do it um, short of, you know, a vaccine being available. I, I just don't know how they're going to be able to do that. Um, I did hear uh, Bill Simmons was on his podcast talking the other day, and I think he was talking to Ryan Rosillo about this, but he said he had heard from some executives in the league that one of the things they're throwing around is if they're not going to have any fans to possibly play these games in team practice facilities which I think would be fantastic. Um, you know, the Bucks just built that beautiful building, that the freighter, a couple of right. years ago, the year before they built the Fiserv. Um, it, it's cool because those guys, it's not that jarring. Like, if you play, I think to play an NBA game in an 18,000-seat arena or when there's, like, 200 people in it, I think that would be very, mm-hmm. very weird for the players. Like, the shooting backgrounds, there's nothing behind you. It's dead silent. All you like, I just think that would be really weird. And if you put it in a practice facility, everything is more confined. Um, you probably have to have less people there for game prep. Um, you don't have to have all the arena workers or some arena workers there. You can kind of downsize all that. The only question is, well, there's two questions. Would they? Would the teams? be on like a normal travel schedule. And the other thing that's a little bit of a problem is not every team has a practice facility. Some teams 
practice in their arena. There aren't many. There are only a couple, but, you know, that could be an issue as well. So I I like that idea better than shipping everybody to Vegas. I, I don't know. I That just seems like I don't know how that would work logistically. Like, how do you play the games? Like, are games starting at, like, 11 in the morning and you're just playing, like, five games in a day, like, back to back to back? Like, I don't know how See, that would even work. That's one of the things that I was wondering about with this Arizona baseball schedule, which I haven't really read anything about. I mean, that's been getting mixed reviews because you've got not enough spring training facilities to serve all the teams involved. Right. And and so, like, are some teams going to have, like, an 11 a.m. start and then well, there's another that's going to have a night game uh, because it's going to get, I mean, when you're talking in the dead of summer and you want to play in 110, 115 degree heat, but there's no other times for you to play games. So, I mean, how are you? And to me, just back to the NBA, if you move this to a practice facility, the, when you talk about environment, it to me would almost seem like it would be a pickup game environment with five guys, five on five. A little bit more, yeah. I think so. And I think that that would probably be a better uh, thing to watch on TV. You know, and, and that's a big that's a big part of the. Obviously, they want to end the season because they want to be able to crown a champion. They don't want to have that blank on the ledger. But these are TV shows. Tony Kornheiser always says this shit. These are television shows, mm-hmm. and they have to also be entertaining. I don't know that it's that entertaining to watch an NBA game in an empty arena. I, I, I don't know. I, I like we. You know, there's times when, like, you'll see a state tournament game, like one of those early morning uh, Thursday Division 5 game, and there's, like, you know, the whole town's there and there's only 400 people in the stands. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, I think that would be weird to play. Like, I remember playing um, my junior year at Craig. We played in the Badger Classic at the Fieldhouse, and it was over Christmas. And I remember we played Madison West there. We had a decent crowd, but it was like, it was really weird because there's only like 1,500 people in this 16,000 seat barn. It was just weird, you know? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I always think about when I watch the football state championships. Even the Division One right, right. who are, from, who are from, from the biggest cities, they're only filling up like probably a total of two sections in that stadium on either side and the rest there's nobody there well right what does camp randall hold like 80 yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure of its capacity but still i mean you're not you're talking about just a fraction it's, right and you're talking about like five thousand people when, right when 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 you start off with with the, the division seven good god i mean they're they're lucky if they get enough guys in their school that can play football right so all right, you want to move on to some news uh, about the team south of Milwaukee on uh, I-94? Yeah. Um, the Bulls are making some front office changes. Um, they just hired Arturis Karnasovas from Denver to be their executive VP, and uh, he actually interviewed for the Bucks GM job a couple years ago before they gave it to John Horst. He's been a guy that's... Really? Uh, Kind of been, uh, he's been working in Denver for 
a while, and he's kind of been one of those names that you hear in a lot of these interviews, but he had never been hired away. And uh, I think it's a really good hire for the Bulls. Um, this guy sounds like he, he knows what he's doing. They really needed to do something. Um, that team, the last three years, has been awful. Really, about the last eight years, they've been a non-factor. I mean, the whole Hoiberg era, they made the playoffs once in like four years. These last three years, they've won like their their win totals are in the 20s. So they've been bad. And I know I know some Bull fans, and, and they've been calling for Gar and Paxson's head for close to a Long decade. Time. Yeah, about a decade. Yeah. So um, Gar Foreman finally was fired. Um, John Paxson got reassigned to some other role where basically Jerry Reinsdorf's going to probably just pay him to go away and be a good soldier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Bulls are – for all the grief the Bucks have taken over the years, <clears throat> excuse me, and rightfully so for a lot of the mismanagement, I don't know that there's been a team, especially a big market team, other than, I mean, I guess you shouldn't say that, other than the Knicks, there hasn't been a big market team that's been as inept as the Bulls. I mean, they've, I they've really, anytime they've been good, it's been very, very fortunate, and it's been very, very fleeting. One of the arguments, not an argument, one of the discussions that I've gotten in with some people is what leagues are better when the teams are good? Like Michael and I were talking a while ago when, when Michigan was, was fumbling with the Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez and all that stuff, and they, and they just weren't very good at the tail end of the Lloyd Carr era and then the, and then the subsequent years. Um, he said that the Big Ten is better when Michigan is good. I, whether you agree with that or not, is the NBA better when the Bulls are relevant? Um, I think so. I don't think it's I don't think it's as big a deal as maybe like the Celtics or the Lakers or even the Knicks. Um the Bulls the Bulls are a, are an odd franchise and I went on Basketball Reference today just because I was kind of dinking around and before the before we went on air, and I was just looking at like their entire franchise history, like all the all the records and their playoff runs, and you know obviously the Jordan era was the peak of the Bulls. Um, other than that, I think they've made two conference finals in their history. Um, one of them post Jordan with uh, the Derrick Rose led team in two thousand and eleven, and they lost to. Uh, the Heatles the first year that the LeBron and Bosch and Wade were together, and then Rose got hurt. Um, they've really not been a great franchise. I, I think because of Michael Jordan, people kind of put him up there with some of the other great franchises, but they really aren't. And I mean, the this this last dance thing coming out the the Jordan doc that comes out Sunday. It's gonna be. I'm I'm very interested to see what parts of this story they dive into because what a lot of people have forgotten over time after they won that title they broke the team up it wasn't like Michael Jordan after the game said I'm done Jerry Krause was the general manager obviously working for Jerry Reinsdorf the owner they were not bringing Phil Jackson back because Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause despised each other Scottie Pippen had been <laughs> underpaid his entire career and wanted to get paid after winning six titles and being the second-best guy on those teams. The Bulls didn't want to pay him because I think he was like 33 at the time. 
And mm-hmm. Jordan was like, well, if you're going to trade Pippen and you're not bringing Phil Jackson back, I'm not going to play with a bunch of just randos. And Rodman wasn't coming back either. So he's looking around the league like, where am I going to go? He wasn't going to L.A. He wasn't going to the Knicks. There really wasn't anywhere for him to go. And then the lockout happens, and he's just like, well, screw it. I'll retire. The Bulls hire Tim Floyd, and like for the next five or six years, they're awful. They don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, they have a little bit of a run with like Heinrich and Ben Gordon, where they don't, you know, they make the playoffs, but they don't do anything. And then they get luckier than hell, and they have the tenth best odds of getting the number one pick, and they get it, and they get Derrick Rose. <laughs> and they're good for like four years, and then Derrick Rose blows his knee out, and he's never the same. And then well, ever since yeah. then, they haven't really been relevant. So, I I don't know, man. Uh, are the, is the league better when they're good? Yeah, maybe. I guess it's a long way of saying that, but I don't know. I don't I, I don't know that it matters. And and uh, the, this team's got a long way to go because they're looking at the team up mm-hmm. the road in Milwaukee. And if if Giannis does re-sign, um, they're going to be chasing the Bucks for a long time. Um, All right. Let's, one uh, one last thing I wanted to hit. I, I saw this tonight. A sure. piece of sad news. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, the star center for the T Wolves, his mother passed away today from the coronavirus. I saw that. So, uh, pretty pretty heavy stuff. Pretty sad stuff. But just wanted to get that in there. So, yep. It's kind uh, of one of those things where you, you, you know it doesn't matter where you are, what you do what your age is. I mean, this, this thing has basically affected everybody. And I, I don't like, there was something posted a while ago without a confirmation, but a guy that I used to work with, um, when I was uh, bouncing at the looking glass, uh, working the door, checking IDs, uh, back in college, he posted on his Facebook and this guy lives in Janesville. I mean, I haven't had any contact with him in, you know, like 15 to 20 years, but, um, he said that he has it, and that's the first person that that I know that has publicly admitted that that they have COVID nineteen. And um, but he said he tried to get tested, and they didn't have a test available for him. Now hmm. you, you could argue that maybe he doesn't have it, um, but that's that's so I don't know. Do you know of anybody that's gone through this, or or know of anybody that? Also knows someone that's gone through this? I do not. Thankfully, I do not. Okay. Um, I just wanted to get that. Yeah, no, that that's, that, that's, that sucks. That sucks to hear. Um, yep. But, hey, I, I, I like that um, is this team better or is the league better when this team's better? I, that, that's a discussion maybe for another day for us. I think we sure. could dive into that pretty good. Because I, you know, I, I agree about the Michigan thing, and there's there's some other teams in other sports, pro and college, that I think would be kind of fun to discuss. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, but I think after a while, um, when you you talk about a team, like I'm glad Michigan had that lull. I mean, they're kind of back now. They're not to the level that they were, but I don't mind if there's like a, a six or seven year gap. Where, where a team that has just been absolute shit stompers is not good, yeah, and they and they get absolutely reamed. And and the team that I would wish all the hard luck in the world on right now in the Big Ten for football is Ohio State. Of course, 
Of course. No. I, I, that, that act to me is like the Patriots. I'm done with that. <laughs> you know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. Uh, let's switch to baseball. Yesterday was Easter. Uh, normally a day when people would watch a lot of baseball. And we didn't have it. Was that was that an odd thing for you? Very, very. Uh, it's kind of a. I mean, if you're a Brewer fan or a baseball fan, but it seems like especially a Brewer fan, like uh, Easter, Mother's Day, and Father's Day, for whatever reason, throughout Brewer history, have kind of just been special days. Like cool stuff has happened on those days, and uh, yeah, it was it was weird to not not have a game on, but they did have a game on. They had on one of the old ALCS games from uh, 82. So uh, we watched that. And uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. I can't remember if I sent this to you. But this week, Adam McKelvey, um, who you've had on uh, on uh, mm-hmm. on your air recently and who is a writer for the Brewers for Brewers.com, he recently put out a pretty cool article about his memory of the 80, the famous 87 Easter game where uh, Deer and Swaim hit the homers in the ninth and the Brewers win their 12th game in a row to start the year. But he included in there, it was about a 37, 38-minute video off of YouTube of that game, and it's the Rangers TV call. And Paschke, he actually talked to Paschke, uh, Channel 18, who ran Brewer games back in those days, they didn't air that game. They only did like 60 games a year, and because it was a holiday... They didn't air the game. So the famous Euchre call that we've all heard, that's it for from our side. But there's this hidden Rangers TV broadcast that McAlvey found. So he put that up there, and I watched it. It is amazing. Yeah. It is cool. Like, if anybody wants to check it out, I would just, like, just watch, like, the last 15 minutes. Um, that's really, you know, basically that's the ninth inning. That's pretty much all you really need to see. But, like, it, it's it's phenomenal, like, Mitch Williams fucking loses his mind because he gets taken out of the game, <laughs> and he's just he's just cursing his ass off as he's walking off the mound, and he's in the dugout, and he's just stomping his, he's just madder than a hornet. Bobby Valentine's the Ranger manager at the time, and it, it was great. I, we we threw it on yesterday and watched it, me and my dad, and it was uh it was a lot of fun. That was that was a great game. But All right. very this, cool. This um, I wanted to ask you about this because I didn't know this. Um, I'm watching, uh, one of the classic games they had on, it was game three of the 82 ALCS. So it was the first home game for the Brewers at County stadium. And I think they were up five to nothing. And it was in the seventh inning. Don Sutton was pitching and Bob Boone comes up and he hits one to left field and Ben Ogilvie goes back and he's at the wall and he reaches up to catch the ball and a fan leans over and catches it. Clearly over the railing, Ogilvy. I mean, I th- it kind of. I think he would have caught it, uh, but this fan reaches over and catches it. And, you know, Ogilvy's losing his mind or whatever. I didn't know that that had happened. That was. Um, it ended up being a huge play because then a couple other weird things happen that inning, and then they score three runs, and all of a sudden it's a game again, and Sutton gets pulled after pitching a gem, but. People might remember, I think it was like 97, it was Orioles-Yankees, and Jeffrey Mayer reached over. Oh, Jeter. 
and stole that home run from the yeah a Yankee Jeter hit it and he stole it out of the glove yeah. of an Oriole player. It was like the same yeah. play, and I thought, holy crap! Like if the Angels had come back and won that game, that would be like the play in Brewer history. Right. But I I never even yeah. knew that that had taken place. I was shocked when I saw it. So that was kind of cool. It's kind of no, kind of cool to see that. that that's something that I that I wouldn't have been privy to either. But you're you're getting a lot of those type moments now that people are reliving because now I'm seeing when they when they're playing games on like Fox Sports Wisconsin or CMJ and people are listening and you know we've had a couple on on CLO. Um, people are are like live tweeting about it like it's the first time that they're seeing it, but they're also kind of reminiscing about what they were feeling at that time or they're noticing things that they didn't notice the first time mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And, and it's been kind of entertaining to, to, to read about. Yeah. And, and I had never watched that game before. So everything was, was new to me. I mean, obviously I knew who won, um, but I had never seen that game in its entirety before. So that was, that was pretty cool. I will say this though, about all of these old games that I'm watching, whether it's college hoops um, some of these old Buck games or old Jordan games they've had on NBA TV or these classic Brewer games that they've been showing. They're just better games. Like Really? The, the, I'm not saying the talent is better. They're just better games. Um, I, I feel like uh, there's so much more flow to these games. There's no replay in basketball, which is awesome. Sometimes the ref screws the call up. You just keep playing. Um, and in baseball, I looked on baseball reference, the longest game of the five ALCS games from 82 with the Brewers and the Angels was three hours and seven minutes. That's the longest game. That's like a sixth inning now. Right. Because all these guys are dinking around. They're stepping out of the box. Yep. The pitcher's walking around. He's taking his hat off. He's wiping his forehead. Like That shit didn't go on. Like Sutton was pitching game three. He'd throw the ball to Simmons. They'd call whatever. Simmons would throw it back. Sutton would set, and then he'd throw the ball again. And the batter might step one foot out of the box to look down to the third base, and then he's back in. Like, there wasn't all this dinking around, and it was like, man, this is great. I don't have to watch all this other garbage that doesn't really matter. Which is hilarious because they show some on the on the replay on some of the condensed versions. They cut out a lot of it, and they chopped the game basically in half. So, right. Um, if if you watched an old game that Dutch didn't have any of that, you could have probably gotten through it in an hour. Mm-hmm. Oh, no question. So that you know, I just yeah, I, the talent. Like you look at some of the guys that were you know on the Brewers and the Angels and their body type, and it's just shocking compared to what we see now. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, man, I I tell you what, I, that Angel team, holy shit, were they good? I mean, they had Reggie Jackson, Don Baylor, yep. Fred Lynn, um, Doug DeCenzes, uh Brian Joyner. I mean, they were loaded. That was a really good team. Brewers beat that year. So that was fun. <laughs> I had a good time watching it. All right. We got about a week and a half, and I know we're closing in on the hour mark, and we got some things that we got to hit in another version of uh, overrated, underrated, yeah. or properly that you're going to throw at me, but. Um, just quickly, uh, a, a couple of football notes. The NFL draft is coming up next week. I saw that um, ESPN and the NFL Network are going to team up. Uh, they're not allowing anybody to go to any locations except their houses. 
Goodell's going to be in his house, I guess. I saw I saw a good poll uh, about what what's the one thing that you would want to see from Goodell's house. You know, his wife asked <laughs> if it's over yet or something like that. And I think the majority of the one was that if he's introduced and then his kids start booing him in the background. I think it'd be great if he had Ray Rice over to watch the draft. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be terrible. Stop it. Uh, um, I mean, is it is think, it just me? Like, I don't give a shit about any of this. Just have the damn draft. Yeah, just have the that's, damn that's, draft. That's, like, I don't want to hear any of these excuses. Oh, we can't work a guy. I don't care. You watch these guys well, in college. Just have the goddamn draft and and let me enjoy it. And that's the thing too. It's like you know, teams are complaining that there's an un, uh, uneven field and so and so has an advantage. I'm like, how does anybody else have an advantage? You got to interview certain players. Other teams got to interview certain players. You all have tape. You're all in the same locations. You all have the same amount of support staff. I don't understand what is unfair or more advantageous for any particular team in this situation. I know. What am I missing? I, I don't know. I, I don't think you're missing anything. I think it just there's just a lot of people in this world that like to find reasons why to not do shit. And that's kind of what it seems like. They, these NFL executives ought to be doing everything in their, in their power to make sure that this draft goes off next week without a hitch. I, I, they should. It, it's, it'd be beneficial for their league. It would show people that they're not quite as incompetent as a lot of fans think they are. And I think it would be a, it would go a lot to do some goodwill to the fans to put this on and do the best you can and keep your mouth shut if you got a piss-poor opinion about it. I think that ratings for this thing are actually going to be through the roof. I do, too. I do, too. I think it's going to be... I think it could be insane. I think it could be, like... You know, like end of mash level rating. Like I think that was the highest rated TV show of all time was the mash finale. Right, the mash the I, finale. I, yep. It could be up in those numbers. I think it's going to be nuts. Well, and I think ABC is actually going to air because I know ESPN and the NFL Network were, and now I think they're switching it to major network because they want a bigger audience. Yeah, I don't eh, makes sense. That, that, that I mean that doesn't that that doesn't surprise me. I know. I think Michael and I, we always had a, a, a history of, of either watching the draft at his place, at least the first round, his place or my place. Um, all through the years, we'd, we'd get pizza, we'd get a, a, you know some Dr. Pepper or whatever. Now we're going to try and do the quarantine version, and we're going to try and do a Zoom or like a Google Hangout or something like that, and, and we're going to try and, and, and get together for that. So if, nice. if you want in on that, you, you let us know. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For, from a Bears perspective. All right. Um, XFL. The other thing, <laughs> declared bankrupt. I mean, it's not surprised that they shuttered the league, um, but then the fact that they said they weren't going to be back next season, that was a little surprising, and now they took it a step further, and you pointed out before we started recording that they filed for Chapter 11 so nobody can go after them for any money. Yeah, yeah. You know, you and I, you and I spent a good deal of our formative years defending wrestling and why we liked it and, and all the things that go with it. V Vince McMahon's a fucking clown. Like this is the second football league that hasn't even the first league completed their season. This didn't even complete the season. And I know the coronavirus obviously threw that out of whack, but I'm gonna say that's kind of no fault of their it's own. That, that's not, but like, Vince McMahon hasn't made a good business decision in like twenty years. Um, right. A lot of the a lot of the shit that he's done, he's fallen into. It's been dumb luck. I mean, you get Hulk Hogan in the middle of like the 
bigger, everything's bigger and, and beefier in the eighties and that works out. And then in the nineties, when everybody's got an attitude, then all of a sudden here comes stone cold and the rock. And, and then all of a sudden those guys leave and in walks John Cena. Like a lot of this stuff's been dumb luck. Like I just, I, I don't think he's that good of a businessman. I think he's a carnival barker. I think that's one of the reasons why he's such good friends with Trump. Those guys are such good bullshitters. <laughs> that they're they're able to they're able to they're able to get green lit to have a league like that that everybody knows is doomed to fail and you and I talked about it before this is it now for uh, a second football league in this country I just don't see any possibility after the two failures this year or this last what year and a half of what yep. was it the the AAF and the now the XFL yep. there's just no way that you can ever have a second league like that in this country. Yeah, did the AAF even make it through half of their? I season? don't think so. It's bad. I mean, it it's was, pathetic. It was, such a, it was such a flash in the pan, but like, I don't know how that any group of investors can get together and say that I have a good plan or this one's going to work or anything like that. When, when you've got two XFLs and the and the AAF to draw from, it's so weird too how bad the football was because, like, you think about it. And, like, you watch college football games, and, like, you know, if you watch Iowa play Northwestern on just a random Saturday, like, there's good players, and it can be a good game. But then it's like these guys, if if they're not quite good enough to make the NFL and they play in these other leagues, they just, they're not good. I don't get it. You watch a Big 12 game where it's 60-something to 50-something because nobody plays any defense. But there's still good players in that game that may not make the NFL, but it's like... You know, those guys will then go to these other leagues and they're just dog shit. It's very weird. All right, stick with college football. Um, I know he's one of your favorite guys. What what did you make of the the Barry Alvarez comments from his radio show last week that kind of surfaced on Thursday and Friday about the the spring athletes not being welcome back despite, you know, I I said this this morning, it, it was really ironic because, the NCAA has has decidedly and really wholeheartedly never really been in the players' favor for pretty much anything. Always, but yet still saying, "Well, we care about the student athletes." What now? They actually do something supportive, and Alvarez is the first one in in a big school as an athletic director to say, "Yeah, they jumped the gun on that. We're fine." They're going to go off and ride into the sunset. We've got other things to worry about. Yeah, I'm a little surprised it hasn't played a little bit more nationally. Um, obviously, locally, that kind of stuff's going to get buried, especially in the Madison media, who all those guys, Patrikis, Oates, they're they're all in the, ba- the Badger program pocket. They're never going to talk out of school and contradict Alvarez. They're just not. I mean, and I, and I get it. A lot of them depend on access to certain things, and that's just the way the world works. Uh, but I'm a little surprised we haven't heard anything nationally. Um, I'm not surprised that Alvarez did this. I think, um, like every other decision that happens in this world, it boils down to money. And it is. they're looking at, you know, if we allow these, you know, if we allow these 90 kids to come back or whatever the number is. Um, 35. Okay, 35. We have to now pay 35 more scholarships at whatever the dollar figure is. And we've also got all these other recruits for all these other different sports coming in that we also have to pay for. And where's that money coming from? 
Um, I would think it would come from the big pool of sports money at these schools. And, you know, maybe Alvarez, We, you know, he's the AD, but football's number one, basketball's number two, yep. and then there's everything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I heard you say this morning, um, these are not revenue-generating sports for the no, Badgers. I, I read in, in one of the early articles that the, the expenses for spring sports outweigh the revenue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, Title IX, whatever. I think that's one of the reasons that he doesn't want to bring back spring baseball because he's now a bean counter. Right. He's looking at the financial aspect of this thing. Well, why am I going to take the pool of money that football and basketball and maybe some extent hockey, because I talked to a couple of Badger people um, who kind of grouped hockey in with that group, even though they're not that good. But why would you take more money out of the of, of the teams that are bringing it in and give it to a program that's not bringing any in at all? So, exactly. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. It's about money. But like I said this morning, I don't want to hear any more comments of him talking about how much they care about their student-athletes and how much it's about the kids and the experiences and the opportunities. You basically now just showed your ass yeah, and said that is just about money. It's all lip service. There's no doubt about it. And the, the ironic thing about all of this is that the team that most Badger, the school that most Badger fans look down their nose at and, and say they, you know, they they the athletes take basket weaving and they're underhanded and they cheat and this and that would be Ohio State. Their athletic director has already come out and said the opposite of what Alvarez said, and they are going to bring all those kids back. They are going to pay for all of their scholarships. Um, wow. And then he also said, in terms of the football season, which I think is one of the smartest things I've heard anybody say, he said, if we're worried about the fans in the stands – getting possibly exposed to somebody because they're in close proximity. Why are we not worried right. about these kids? Like this is, I, I, I did see that, today. you know, these guys are, they don't have health insurance. Most of them. I mean, they're all on their parents or whatever, if they even have it. Like if there's one, sp- I mean, the two sports that you would contract it, you would think the most easily would be football and basketball because they're the most contact and you're literally on top of each other in football. Right. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a good look for, for the Wisconsin program. Um, but until it gets nationally talked about, it's probably not a big deal. It'll probably just kind of get swept under the rug a little bit. It's just more disappointing for me than anything. Yeah, I agree. You know, for, 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 a, for a figure, like him or not, he has meant and does mean a lot to the Wisconsin athletic program in, in kind of putting Madison on the map. When, when, when he came here and, and built the football program, and now he's a figurehead, you know, for the athletic department. And I, it, it's just really sad that now you have to associate those comments with the guy, like his his attitude or his, you know, brashness or what whatever you think of the guy, um, you know, for, for how much he has done for the school athletically and, and, and what he's doing now. I just don't like the fact that, that those remarks were made. Nope, I hear you. All, All right. right. Well, you want to wrap up with another game? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll keep this quick. I know we're getting up against right. it here. You probably got some little heads poking in the door there, wondering what what the hell you're still doing on the phone. But um, oh yeah, they've 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 already heard a bad word or two. So uh, over overrated, underrated, properly rated. We did some quarterbacks last week. We're going to hit some running backs this week. 
Um, I got six guys. I gave you three of them. I kept three to myself. Um, All right. So we'll start. uh, First guy, Curtis Martin, uh, 11 years in the league, 14,000 rushing yards, sixth all-time, sixth when he retired, 90 touchdowns, 13th all-time, 10th when he retired, 3,300 receiving yards and 484 receptions. He is a Hall of Famer. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Yeah, he was a Pro Bowler five times. He was an All-Pro first team once. Um, and I, I did a little background because he spent the majority of his career with the Jets, was with the Patriots uh, a little bit. I just never felt like when I paid attention to football back in those days, I mean, yeah, yeah the Jets made the playoffs a few times. I never felt like he was given his proper and due credit because he put up some really monster numbers, and he was always durable. I mean, he played in all 16 games, like all but three of his seasons, and and the last one was when he only played in 12 in 2005. So, I mean, I, I really think he was a very underrated running back because I don't think that he gets mentioned in, in the pantheon of great running backs, and I, I honestly think he should. I totally agree. Um, he was an absolute workhorse. Uh, he was on some pretty shitty Jets teams. Um, I think they made. I think they made the conference championship game. I want to say when they played like the Broncos, like late nineties. Um, but other than that, I don't think he really advanced much in uh, in the playoffs. And you know that's not a running back's fault. You're never going to pin that on a back. Um, no, but no, I, I I agree. And he's one of the guys. It's it's kind of a, a running theme through these guys. He's one of these guys that was a dual threat. He could catch the ball, and and right. there weren't a ton of those guys at that time like there are today. All right, All right. next guy, Edger and James, eleven years, twelve thousand rushing yards, thirteenth all time, tenth when he retired. 80 touchdowns, 20th all-time, 17th when he retired. Also had 3,300 receiving yards, 433 catches, but he had three 60-catch seasons. He was the third guy on that original Colts triplets with Peyton and uh, and, uh, Marvin Harrison. He did not win a Super Bowl. He had been uh, cut, released, whatever, that the year before, and then the Colts went on to win the Super Bowl. So over, proper, under. I mean, when you have, um, you know, seven seasons of over a thousand yards out of what, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, the 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 tail end, he went to Arizona, and that I mean, he was a, basically a non-factor in Seattle. He didn't even. I mean, his one year there, he played half the year his last season in Arizona. Um, I mean, but he was phenomenal when he first entered the league. But I always got the sense that he was just more of a name. And despite racking up a ton of yards, I mean, 1,500 yards three times, 1,700 yards once, I just always got the impression that he was never a real big game changer. He was never one of those guys where you were always threatened by. Maybe at the end of the season, you saw a boatload of yards, and you're like, oh, he had a pretty good year. Make sure you pick him in fantasy. But I always, I, just personally, I always felt he was a little overrated. Okay, okay. I, I thought he was probably uh, properly rated, uh, maybe a little slightly underrated because he wasn't on that Super Bowl team. I think if he's on that team that won, um, you, you might 
hear him come up. You don't really hear him come up much in conversations anymore. Um, no. You know, when I when I was going through his stats, I was a little surprised at how high up he was in some of this stuff. But, um, you know, I was surprised when uh, the Colts picked him instead of Ricky Williams in the draft that year. They went four mm-hmm. or five, and, and uh, you know, Ricky Williams coming off the record-setting year and winning the Heisman, I thought for sure he would go number four, and he ended up going uh, – uh, Edger and James ended up going for so, um, so yeah, I got him. I got him proper. Okay. All right, next guy. I don't think I gave you this one. Thurman Thomas, thirteen, oh. 13 years, twelve thousand rushing yards, sixteenth all time, eighth when he retired, sixty five touchdowns. That's forty first all time, forty four hundred receiving yards, four hundred and seventy two catches, two sixty catch seasons, played in four Super Bowls. And in Super Bowl twenty five, he had fifteen carries for one hundred and thirty five yards and a touchdown, five catches for fifty five yards, and would have definitely won Super Bowl MVP if Norwood makes the kick. Over, under, or proper? It's funny because when you look at those Bills teams and and you look at Lofton and Kelly and Reed and all the guys on the defense, um, starting with Bruce Smith, I think that Thurman. Thomas, despite um, having, you know, not as and th- and this was the time when you ran the ball, you know, a lot more than you threw, depending on who your quarterback was. I mean, his tops was only fourteen hundred and eighty-seven yards, and he never led the league in rushing. He led the league in carries um, one year, but I thought I always thought that he was one of the forgotten about guys, not necessarily like Curtis Martin, and he was only a Pro Bowler you know, five times, but he made first team all pro twice. I think he was a little underrated. I think he meant a lot more to that offense than people gave him credit for. 100% agree. 100% agree. I think he was the best player on those Bills teams. Um, He made everything go. He was one of the original guys, and there's uh, two more on the list that I'll get to next that were really big-time dual-threat guys. Um, Pass-catching running backs that could make plays in space. Um, the knock on him, I read you the numbers on Super Bowl twenty five. The next three Super Bowls, he was horrible. Mm. His numbers are atrocious, and part of it is because they got way behind, but he was really bad in those games. He had the one Super Bowl where he couldn't find his helmet. Remember that? Um <laughs> But yeah, underrated guy. I think you know when you think of those teams, you kind of lump all those people together. Um, and even underrated in college. I mean, he was a great college player, but he played with Barry Sanders, right? So he, he great player. He's in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think uh, fans give him his due. So, all right. I, I thought it was interesting. Just just yeah. looking at his numbers, he only had double digits in touchdowns rushing one year. Yeah, yeah, that was a little surprising, and I think that kind of keeps him down with the, you know, when you're talking 15, or he's got 25 less total touchdowns than Curtis Martin, so that's that's a lot. Right. Yeah. All right, right, next guy, um, Ricky Waters. 10 years, 10,000 yards, 24th, 11th when he retired, 78 touchdowns, 22nd. When he uh, now tenth when he retired, forty two hundred receiving yards, four hundred sixty seven catches, three sixty catch seasons, and he was a huge huge factor on that uh, Super Bowl winning team of the Niners with uh, with Steve Young and Jerry Rice. Um, man, I, 
Waters is the guy that I didn't really pay attention to that much. I mean, the his first numbers five shocked years his, just, his his numbers shocked me. I did that not he didn't I, have more. No, no, no. I did not realize he had ten thousand rushing yards. That that shocked me. Yeah, I mean, I see he's got seven seasons of over a thousand. Um, and those three years in San Francisco, he just barely cracked the thousand mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year, but he didn't play a full season until his third year with the team, and that was his last. Um, he he led the league in carries in '96. He was a five-time Pro Bowler, never a first-team All-Pro guy. Um, but I mean, his numbers weren't monstrous. But a, a guy like Thurman, who you mentioned, a dual-threat guy catching 60 passes, you know, three times during his career um, in, in a season, couple that he had 50, a couple more that he had 40. But I never thought, like Edron James, he was a real big world beater. He was never mentioned in that big, you know, in that big running back conversation with all the big boys. I just think maybe he was properly rated. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of. I think I'm with you. Um, again, you know, slightly on the underrated side, maybe just okay. because of myself. Like I said, some of these numbers surprised me. Um, I mean, okay. there's only 31 guys all time that have 10,000 rushing yards. I just wouldn't have necessarily put him in that category. But yeah, when he what did he go to the Eagles after he left San Francisco, and yeah, he was good, yeah. but. You know, nothing special, but he put up some some pretty solid numbers. So, yeah, I think I'm with you. I'd go properly. Okay. All right, we got two more real quick here. Uh, Eddie George, nine years, 10,000 yards, 28th all-time, 12th, and he retired. 68 touchdowns, that's 35th. Only 2,200 yards receiving, 268 receiving yards. And he had a 95-yard, two-touchdown game in Super Bowl 34, and he would have been the MVP most likely if the Titans had won over the Rams, over, under, proper. I think he gets his due credit. Um, I mean, the dude was an absolute workhorse, and he just ran out of gas towards the end of his career because he had so many carries. I mean, 2,403 rushing attempts. Crazy. For 1,500 yards. I mean, he had he only had double-digit touchdowns, kind of like Thurman. He only had that twice in his career. Um, and... Yeah, he caught the ball a little bit out of the backfield, but I think the one thing that you always gave Eddie George credit for was durability. Yeah. And I think, I mean, he never averaged over 100 yards, but he came pretty close that year in 2000 where he averaged 94. He always showed up. I think people give him respect, give him his credit, so I think that he he is a properly rated guy. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, You know, in those those carry loads, I mean, that's why he only had a nine-year career. Um, right. There's, you know, not a lot to add from what you said. I mean, he, uh, you know, played with McNair. They were they were a ground and pound team with Jeff Fisher as the coach, um, mm-hmm. and he and he did well there. Um, you know, he's just he's one of those guys again that, you know, overrated, properly rated, whatever. They're they're just kind of forgotten about a little bit. I mean, he's at least on TV somewhat, so you still see him. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that everybody remembers just quite how good he was. I mean, he was, I believe he won mm-hmm. the Heisman, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy that was a really good player for a very long time um, and had a lot of success. So, But I'm with you. I think he's properly rated. All right, last one. This is a good one. Yep. Roger Craig, 11 mm-hmm. years, 8,000 rushing yards, 56 touchdowns, 4,900 receiving yards, 1,000 in 1985, 
566 catches, 92 in 1985, and he had four 70-catch seasons and three Super Bowl rings. Over, under, proper. Pro Bowler four times, all pro once. Um, I don't think he got his due credit, maybe maybe because his numbers weren't outstanding. You mentioned that 1,500-yard season in 88, 92 catches in 85. But again, he's kind of like the Thurman Thomas of those 49ers teams where he is kind of the forgotten-about dude um, on a team with really good receivers, a really good quarterback, and some pretty good tight ends as well, but you remember that you got a, a pretty solid running back there, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go underrated. I'm with you. Um he was kind of the protege for what um the Marshall Falks or um you know any any of these great ba- James White, any of these guys that, that are catching, you know, sixty, eighty, ninety balls out of the backfield. He was kind of the prototype and his numbers I think rushing wise are a little bit down. I think it's a little bit of a product of the era. Um mm-hmm. and, and the and the kind of offense that San Francisco was running under Bill Walsh with the West Coast. They're just you know, they weren't running the ball thirty times a game like most teams. Um, that's part of the reason why his catches are so high. And, and people forget that first 49er team, that or the first two actually, but he was on the second one. There was no Jerry Rice on those teams. There was no John Taylor. There was no Brent Jones. I mean, Roger Craig was there, him and Dwight Clark, they were the star offensive players skill-wise on those teams. And I think Roger Craig's one of those guys that kind of gets forgotten about. I think, I, I if I remember right, didn't he end his career like a – didn't he go to like the Raiders and then he played a couple Raiders. games with the Vikings or something and it just and then he just kind yeah. of went away? Yeah, he, he he went to the Raiders right after the Niners, which is weird when it's across the bay. Mm-hmm. And must then, have not have wanted to um, sell his house. He, and, and then he <laughs> and then he won and then he went to Minnesota in the early nineties for two seasons, but didn't do much. All right, well, that's what we got on that one. Next week, we'll maybe dive into some wide receivers and, and maybe move All on right. to a couple other, maybe baseball or something going forward, see if we got time for it. But, yeah, like I said, you I know, like over, under, proper, a lot of these guys, you just kind of forget about them over time, and you hear some of those numbers, sure. and you're like, holy shit, wow, those are that's impressive. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, kind of fun I, to do. I, I would agree with you. Nice job on that. Yeah, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, I will let you go. Um, okay. We went pretty long today, considering there's nothing to talk about. So good for us. Which is funny. We try to condense all the all all the material when we have three pages worth of notes, but but we get one page and we go, you know, fifteen twenty minutes longer than normal. Well, you know, you throw in about fifteen twenty minutes of video game talk, and that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. All right, man. Well, stay safe. Stay healthy. Yep. Uh, appreciate everybody well. listening. Um, even if you didn't fill out your bracket, we still want you to listen. <laughs> Don't disappoint me twice. Come on, guys. We need you. Yes, we do. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. And, of course, tell your friends. All right. We will catch you next week. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. Go sports. Go sports.